podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Phillips Laven of the 1012 Podcast here. Have you been listening to this show for a while and thought, you know, if that guy can do this, then so can I? Well, you're, you're probably right. And it's worth giving a shot. The one question you're going to ask yourself is, how do I get my podcast out for everyone to listen to on iTunes, on Spotify? Well, you're going to need a hosting site. And if I may make a suggestion, go with Anchor. It's easy and it's free, which is great for podcast hobbyists uh, who aren't exactly expecting this to make a lot of income, especially starting out. Anchor is fantastic. Anchor by Spotify is the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need in one place. It has the tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And when hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your show on listening platforms like we mentioned Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And again, it is totally free. It's fantastic. It is what we use. And if it's what we use, it's what we're going to suggest to others. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, that is the Anchor app or anchor.fm to get started with your podcast. Welcome to the 1012, the podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 Conference. I'm your host, Philip Slavin. Thank you for joining us today. What a day. Wednesday was. Man, oh man. Okay, so here in a few minutes, we have our Baylor preview coming up. David Smoke of Sikkim 365 Radio. Fantastic interview. Great guy. Really good stuff. Talk about Dave Aranda. Talk about Charlie Brewer. Talk about the defense. Before we get to that, though, I, I recorded our Baylor preview on Tuesday night. Got my intro done that night as well. Thought I am all set. I'm going to take Wednesday off. It's going to be great. The ACC had a different idea. Thought I was done? <laughs> nope. Not even close. So the ACC's big news on Wednesday, which I assume most of you have heard at this point, the ACC is going with a 10 plus one schedule. Notre Dame will be a member of the ACC and can compete for the ACC championship. Please let them win for the sheer hilarity, for the sheer quirkiness and insanity of it all. I want Notre Dame to be the ACC champ, the one and only year they're actually in full-time ever. That impacts some more non-conference games for the Big 12. Goodbye, West Virginia, Florida State. Goodbye, Kansas, Boston College. Because while the ACC is allowing one non-conference game, that game must be played in that ACC school state. That is basically to allow Florida, Florida State, Kentucky, Louisville, Clemson, South Carolina. SEC is reportedly going to go with a conference-only schedule, though I have a feeling they will do basically with the same thing the ACC does, which is a 10-plus-1 model. Now, does that allow for Texas LSU? Does that allow for OU Tennessee? My guess is no. And my guess is if you're LSU and you're going to play a 10-game SEC schedule, do you really want to have tennis Texas come as well? I doubt it. I highly doubt it. And that has all led to the last news we got regarding the Big 12, who's still having their Big 12 media days on Monday, despite the fact that we know nothing. And the last we knew from Bob Bowlesby was that he and the uh, presidents, the schools, would discuss things on Monday in a meeting that will happen after media day. So we're going to have a Big 12 media days on Monday and literally know nothing and no one's going to have any answers for us. But let's go ahead and continue with that because that sounds like a really good idea. 
The last thing we know from Brett, Burf, Brett McMurphy of Stadium, quote, sources told Stadium, Big 12 Conference's top three scheduling options are 12 games, nine Big 12 games plus one non-conference game, or nine Big 12 games only. Most unlikely option now, sources said, is 12-game schedule because other Power 5 leagues have reduced eliminated non-conference games. I don't know. I'm reading the tea leaves. But it feels to me like if they're going to go with one of those, it'll be the 9 plus 1. It's easy. Kansas will keep their FCS game. I bet Oklahoma keeps their game against Missouri State. I bet Oklahoma State keeps that game against Tulsa. I think 9 plus 1 makes sense. Because if the ACC and the SEC are going to play 11 games, everyone else could play 10. Do you really see the Big 12 just being... We'll just play nine. I mean, I, I kind of do because the Big 12 likes to drag its feet and not be progressive and just do whatever it's going to do in the end. And maybe they'll go with nine. I feel like as much as they've been fighting to keep non-conference games with the with OU moving up their Missouri State game to week zero, with Kansas signing a contract with Southern Illinois to play week zero, with Iowa State signing up to play, was it Bowling Green, Miami of Ohio? A MAC team. It's all that matters. I just get the feeling they'll play nine plus one. Keep it to close team. Keep it to an FCS team. Move some more games up to week zero, which makes a ton of sense. It's an easy way to stretch the schedule out. The question is, will we hear anything before Monday's Big 12 media days, virtual Big 12 media days? I don't know. I hope so. Can I say what I would like to have happen? I would love to have BYU be a Big 12 member for one season, a la Notre Dame with ACC. 10 plus one. That gives you 10 quote-unquote conference games. You don't have to let them play for the conference championship. They're not going to care. BYU is so desperate for games now. How much fun would it be, though, to add BYU for one year? Just one year. Just one year. And have your non-conference game. I would love that. I've been pushing for that to happen for this season. I understand why we don't want to have them full-time, but come on. BYU, one season, conference member, everybody gets to play them. You, You would enjoy that. I would enjoy that. They've got a national fan base. They're everywhere. Be good TV. Iowa Jacket, but whatever. Okay. Hopefully, this will all get resolved quickly. And and honest to goodness, by the time this pod is up or by the time you listen to this podcast, this could all change again. We could know what the SEC is going to do. We could know what the Big 12 has decided. Maybe they'll figure things out quickly. I highly doubt it because they haven't thus far, and I don't trust them to do so. But we'll see. So all that said, Baylor Preview, David Smoke, really good stuff. Coming right up. Do me a favor, though, whether you want to pause and do it now, wait till the end of the show. Leave us a rating, five stars if you don't mind, and a review. It helps people find the show. Give us a follow on Instagram. We have an Instagram account, 1012pod, T-E-N-1-2-P-O-D. We put exclusive content on there. Exclusive interviews. If you want to know how we voted in the Big 12 preseason poll and the Big 12 preseason offense and defense, you can only find it there. We'll probably talk about it on the pod at some point. But if you want to know how we voted, it's up there. And very excited, very excited. We have 47 followers right now, and one of them gets to win a copy of Athlon Sports 2020 College Football Preview. And who is that going to be? Who is that winner going to be? Pick somebody at random. Who's it going to be? I'm going to tell you right now. Congratulations to David Mays, David J. Mays. On Instagram, we're going to give you a a message. We're going to get your address. We're going to figure out how to send you this copy, the Athlon Sports 2020 season preview for college football. Thank you for giving us a follow. Thank you for everyone who has followed us thus far. We've got one more issue to give away. Probably going to do it on Instagram as well because I want the Instagram follows. I like Twitter follows too. So if you want to follow us there, 1012 podcast at T-E-N, number 12, the word podcast, Instagram again, T-E-N-1-2-P-O-D. All that said, let's get to it. (laughs) 
All right, very excited today to have a, what I think is going to be a fantastic guest here to help preview the Baylor Bears for 2020, David Smoke of Sikkim, Sikkim 365 Radio. David, uh, welcome to the 1012, sir. I love the name. You know, there's so many. My God, there's podcasts everywhere, and, you know, you can have some that are play off the name of the host or whatever. And I, I looked at the name of Mich- initially, and I was like, 1012. I was like, oh, hell yeah, that makes sense, you know, because it's the, the Big 12 with 10, and the Big 10 has like 20 now. I don't know. But, yeah, when all this realignment started, you're right. It changed up the numbers of everything. You know, even I don't even know if the Pac-12 has 14 or what they have, but it doesn't matter. We know where, where, where everyone is, at least now. I'm finally starting to realize who's in what conference. It's taken a while, but I like the name, man. I'm glad to be here. Glad, thank you for inviting me. Thank you, thank you. I, my my weird pitch has always been that the Big Twelve should be in eight states and go back to being called the Big Eight, which would be a weird thing. But we, as much as we all love throwbacks in college football right now, who wouldn't love going back to being called the Big Eight? Oh my God! And see that that like takes my heart because I I'm a life born in Omaha, Nebraska. My dad was military and he was at Alfred Air Force Base, so. Early on in my life, like when I was five or six years old, I was watching this black-and-white college football game, and it was Nebraska. And I believe it was either Arkansas or Alabama in a big game. And my dad goes, yeah, that's – you know, I saw Nebraska. was just old enough to understand any of it. And, and uh, both of the – it looked like they both were in pretty much the same uniforms because Arkansas, Alabama, Nebraska at the time, they were all pretty vanilla. Um, but – so I'm a lifelong Nebraska fan, which has not been as much fun the last 10 or 15 years. But – <laughs> the big, the big eight, man. I love the big eight. I love, and then, golly, when it changed to the Big Twelve, so many rivalries changed, the things changed. But yeah, I love that. Have eight states. The Big Twelve would be called the Big Eight. I'll take that. Good. I, okay, I've got someone on board. I'm gonna get your signature. I think that's two. You got now. it. Send it, it to Bowlesby. Send it to Bowlesby. <laughs> Well, David, I'm uh, very excited to have you here to preview the Baylor Bears today. Um, and I, I want to start with, obviously, the biggest thing uh, for Baylor. You know, this this pandemic has shut everything down. Uh, as, as you mentioned to me before we started, Baylor had, had not had a chance to actually start practices, start spring ball before the coronavirus shut everything down. Um, and here we are. You have a brand new coaching staff. I know there's a few holdovers from Matt Rule's time, but I mean, you have a brand new head coach, uh, primarily entirely new coaching staff, a lot of guys who aren't really familiar with Baylor, um, and a team that's replacing quite a few key players from last year's very impressive team. I, you've had a chance to talk with Aranda. What is, what's their kind of mindset at this point? How are they trying to handle things amidst everything going on? You know, he was on a, a Zoom call with other reporters, and this has been a few weeks back. I was able to get him the day he was introduced. I sat down and did a one-on-one with him at McLean Stadium, and we had him on, in fact, just last week. And But I remember there was one Zoom call with other reporters, and I, I, it was time for me to ask a question. I was up, and I said, is there any part of you, now that you know what you're facing now, that looks back and regrets taking the job because of what you just said. And I didn't know what his answer would be. You know, some guys would have probably gotten a little flippant with it. Some would have probably beaten around the bush or whatever. And he did not miss a beat. He said, oh, no. I mean, like immediately, no. And he said that, that you know, that this has been, you know, he's gone over, over and over again how he and Mac Rhodes clicked and how they interviews over the phone and other things that they did and, 
and how they got to know each other. And that this is, in fact, I asked, I don't want to get off on a tangent, but I asked Dave Aranda this last week is, you know, Baylor, we know Baylor's had their problems with some things that have at times been dark clouds, but they, they have, it's a, it's a special place. I mean, they, they're obviously a religious university. Uh, they, they, they're private and, 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 and how they do things and what they have going right now has been phenomenal in athletics, but also with the president Livingstone and, and all the things that they're trying to get done. And he's, I asked him, I said, if, if you could pick a school in America, I mean, I, this is not like, where would he want to coach? Of course he would say Baylor now, but this wasn't like his dream job was what I asked, but I asked him, does Baylor with what it represents, does it, is that kind of like the perfect university, not mission statement, but you know what I mean? Like who they are. And he, he said, absolutely. And that's, I think one of the reasons why he and Mac Rhodes hit it off so well and clicked so well and had that relationship almost from the beginning. Mac Rhodes talks about how he knew when he was at an airport, like in a little cubicle in an airport in New Mexico, I think he said it was, where he had to kind of get off to the side outside of the noise when there were actually a lot of people at the airport. And he was interviewing Aranda over the phone. It was like a lengthy, like, interview. And he just, like, he got out of that interview on the phone. And he goes, this is my guy. Not that there weren't others he was talking to, but he felt really comfortable. And I think Aranda said he got off the phone and talked to his wife and said, I think that's the job I want or this is the job I want because he would have other options eventually down the road with what he did at LSU and elsewhere at Wisconsin. But, you know, he, he is uh, maybe his demeanor, which is more like a Tony Dungy or a Lovey Smith. Uh, you know, he's not – it doesn't mean he doesn't have fire burning inside his soul or his stomach or his heart because he does. He's very competitive. But, you know, you have different type mentalities of coaches, and maybe his demeanor – has been a calming force during this time when he's really had very little, very little contact with any of the players. Uh, you know, obviously he was introduced. He got to know the guys for a couple of months until all of a sudden the shutdown and what was it, mid to late March. And now they're back on campus again. And so, you know, but it maybe his demeanor in Zoom meetings or the way he's been able to connect with players on FaceTime or Facebook or whoever, whatever else has been – in a way, the perfect match coming out of what Matt Rule meant to this team and meant to these players. And, yeah, there's a challenge. Listen, they have not – I mean, there there have been no – there's no contact. They have not had, like, helmet-to-helmet, things like that. And But they've been able to kind of – with the staff they have, with a couple of former head coaches and Larry Fedora, and then, of course, Dave Roberts, uh, Joey McGuire, who's been a, an incredibly successful high school coach at Cedar Hill in Dallas, he, of course, was retained, and that was a big deal because, he, he, you know, there was a chance there for a while he was moving on. He wanted this job. And so he, he, he really showed a lot of, um, I would think, um, my God, uh, the ability to, you know, get kicked in the gut or elsewhere and still want to stay at Baylor because it means a lot to him. He's going to be a head coach in college football at some point. There's a given there. We know that. But Aranda, you know, here's what I was told early on before we even, like, he, he was – really quickly before he was introduced, we had a couple of guys on to cover LSU in Wisconsin about how, how when he gets in front of a room when it comes to X's and O's and defense, it's like everybody goes quiet. You have guys that can rant and rave and give you pep talks, and that's great. And then you have guys, like I mentioned, with Dungy and, and uh, Tony Dungy and Levy Smith who are more of the, you know, like 
uh, like almost godlike. You know, what's the word? I'm like, you know, their mentality is very quiet, but you know, you, they command the room. And mm-hmm. then with Aranda, he, he, it's not like he has this outbursting personality, this charisma, but it just fits who he is and what he does when he's in front of X's and O's at the Texas high school football coaches association. They had the virtual convention. And when he got in front of that and started talking, had it, you know, they have graphics and all this stuff. And when he started talking defense, the room just got quiet. You know, there's a lot of people, you know, when I say the room got quiet, the zoom meeting, you know, there's a lot of people probably were on mute, mute, mute. So I want to make sure it wasn't like he was in front of 1500 people inside of an auditorium. But, like, everybody just sat there, and some coaches were watching it with other groups of coaches. They all just got quiet. He seems to be able to communicate well. Now, he's the perfect – and I, I say this. They could go 4-8 and eight if they played 12 games. I don't know. But he seems to be coming off of what they had with Rule to what they have now with him. Initially, there was like, man, they have a guy that could be – like, he's a preacher's son and Matt Rule, and he could, he could talk in front of anybody. He could talk in front of anybody and it'd make you, like, listen to him. And Aranda's not going to be that that's just going to grab your throat in a way that's, like, demonstrative or you know, with, what, with his words, but mainly with just the way he has this ability, almost a, a ninja-like ability to communicate. Now, how does that help him? I'm, 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 I'm a little bit concerned about it. They have to be. They're just now starting to get to see these guys again. They have not had a practice. I mean, you know, like, Charlie Brewer takes the snap, throws one way or the other, hands off, blocking, none of that. You know, Larry Fedora even told me, the offensive coordinator told us a few weeks back, he's like, he didn't want to go back and even look at tape of the old Baylor games with the players who are back because he didn't want to have any, uh, he didn't want to have any preconceived notions about anybody. He wanted to learn them, you know, initially and, and like with who they are now, not who they were last year or two or three years ago. So it, it's uh this staff has got something special. They're recruiting well. They've been able to stay. You know, their their COVID testing data has been almost flawless with how many, like they have one or two active cases. One might not even be on campus. And one I don't even think is, uh, it may be more because of tracing. These are grown men who've been through a lot of Baylor, as you know. And I think they've handled this situation of not being around their coaching staff and also being isolated and having to deal with this pandemic. And I think these are some grown men. I think that they've been taught the right way along the way by their families and by the previous coaching staff. But I think, I think they've handled this well. And, and now the question is, what's going to happen when they snap the football? So that leads me to the question, you know, usually when you hear the term year zero for a new head coach, that's applied to a program that is awful. Arkansas this year, with Sam, with 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 Pittman, is a is a year zero. You're talking about a rebuild so bad that you you just can't count this season against them. Really, that's not something you would typically apply to a team coming off of an appearance in a conference championship, basically being a win away potentially from having been in the playoff. But with everything going on with a new head coach and even with so, some of the players they have coming back, would it be fair to describe this as a year zero for Aranda? Oh, man. And, you know, I used the term mulligan when Matt Rule showed up. I didn't know they were going to go 1-11. I surely didn't expect that. But, I didn't, you know, when they have six offensive linemen on scholarship and you need 15 or so or more and you have this, this dumpster fire that you're coming off of that somehow salvaged the season before with that team that ended up winning the bowl game against Boise State, 
I don't know what anyone expected in 2017, but no one could have seen. Well, I mean, I had I had parents of players who had left or who had transferred. I I had some you know, that coach that told me this is going to be a mess now. I mean, I mean, this is going to be a mess. It's going to take them five to seven years to get through this when Bryles was gone and then the next year the coaches are gone that had been so consistently good and together. I gave Mulligan, I gave Matt Rule a Mulligan. Nobody wanted to do that. I mean, a lot, oh, you're not, you're, my God, you know, it's not, you're being, you're sucking up to him. No, I'm not. I think he deserved a Mulligan. And by God, he, he damn sure needed one at one and 11. I wasn't going to give him one at seven and six. I wasn't going to give that one. I said, that team needs to be a bowl team. Six and six or six and seven, seven and six. They got to get to the bowl game. They did. They found a way by winning a critical game against Texas Tech late in the year. And of course, they had beaten Oklahoma State along the way that was big, too. And then last year, I didn't expect, as much as I didn't expect, an absolute 1-11, uh, like, devastating-type wreck. I didn't expect him to be in a position to play Oklahoma undefeated for a chance to clinch a Big 12 title berth. And, as you said, you know, they're, I, think it's, I think I looked it up. It was like 22 points. They lost by three to Oklahoma the first time. They lost by, what, seven in the uh, rematch in a game where they all – if Chris Platt doesn't – if he still has his speed, he he scores on that throw from Jacob Zeno, and you're, you're trying to come back to win a Big 12 title with a freshman at quarterback, but at least now you know you've got him in, in your arsenal. And, and then, of course, lost to Georgia. I think in the end they lost to Georgia by 10. They were never really in that game. But to lose three games, 11-3, and three, I thought they'd get to eight, maybe nine. I did not expect any more than that. But you're right. Is this a mulligan year for weeks? Oh, man. Here, you know, they lost a ton of ton of starts on defense, a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. And I still think they're going to be pretty good on defense. I really do. Uh, they have Charlie Brewer back. There's that, That's worth something. They got a lot of the weapons, even though they lose Denzel Mims. They lost some offensive line, but the offensive line might be better than it's been now, really since 2016, when they had the last group that was under the Bryles regime. I, I – I would give him maybe an asterisk. I don't know about a week, a year zero mulligan, but I would give him an asterisk that that if in fact this thing doesn't get off off the ground and they, you know, let's say Ole Miss. I mean, that's a hard game to start with. Louisiana Tech's really good. I mean, that's two of the best non-conference game Baylor's played in a long, long time. To be honest with you, so I would give him an asterisk on if it's five wins or if it gets to seven or eight and if they get more than seven or eight oh my god it's going to be almost not quite like last year because of all that they've dealt with or what they have not been able to do but when you have charlie brewer and i'm not the president of this fan club because i can't be but if i could be (laughs) i would be the president of charlie brewer's fan club because of everything he represents as a player as a as a young man and as a absolutely fierce competitor so to me charlie brewer might erase the asterisks but yeah i think you've got to lean to give him something only because of the fact they've had nothing really to to be able to do any kind of spring drills what is it 15 or 17 practices in a game or a scrimmage you got to probably say you lean towards possibly i know i'm skipping around here i would say now that you got me talking i would say yeah i do think i do think you kind of give him a, a slight mulligan Maybe on the front nine, but not the back nine. That's fair. That's fair. And of course, it all, you know, this all depends. 
who knows when the season's going to start? Who knows how many games we're going to play? And I don't, I don't even, I don't even want to like get into that because it's such a complicated conversation. I think we're all like enough people are having that. I don't need, I'm not smart enough to try and pretend like I should have it here. So uh, I'm glad that you brought up Brewer. Cause I want to, I want to jump to him. Um, Obviously, uh, Sam Allinger was the quarterback pick preseason. Um, I I was a voter for the the Big Twelve preseason poll. I picked Brock Purdy. I'll be honest. Um, I I if you listen to this pod last year, I am a part of the Charlie Brewer fan club. I still am. I still have my membership card. It's in my wallet, still pressed and, and laminated. Um, but it, it is it is it is honest to look at him and say. After the injury, and, and you could say this about anybody, but he was a very, very different player. And I think it's a legitimate question, and, I'm, and I want to ask you: Do you think, do you think the topic of his injuries and and just how he's going to look this season is being overstated, or is it a real concern as to whether or not I, I don't just mean will he play this season, but could he make it through the season if he even does? Let me tell you something. I I um, <laughs> I can't say everything here. Uh, I've had conversations with his father. There have been reports about the fact that the, 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 the numerous amounts of six, seven, eight concussions and that Matt Rule never – let me tell you something. I have spoken straight up with Kenny Boyd inside the athletic department that's in charge of any of this kind of protocol when it comes to that. I've spoken straight up with Mac Rhodes. I've spoken straight up with Matt Rule. I've spoken straight up with others that are in the football program. I've spoken as well straight up with his father, the former quarterback in Robert Brewer, who played at Texas. I promise you, and these I don't think any of those would cover for Charlie if they felt like there was something serious, mainly because of the, rep, the, 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 the respect for Charlie. But I'll tell you this as well. I think they all know the kind of work I try to represent, and I'm not going to be fooled by something like this. You know, I think I – think you know, he took some hits now. I mean, my God. But I'll tell you what, more than anything else, I think the concern has been his shoulder, his, his arm strength. But he's never been he's never been Troy Aikman. He's not going to throw the ball, you know, like, like uh, I don't know, Trevor Lawrence at Clemson or whoever you want to say. But he gets it where he needs to go. And he's amazing at, at how he makes things happen. You know, kind of. I don't know who he reminds me of, but it just seems like he finds a way, you know, and that's kind of like that, almost that, that just winning mentality that um, I, you know, Drew Brees, I'm not trying to compare Charlie Brewer to Drew Brees. Drew Brees does not, you know, I'm not saying he doesn't have a pro arm, but he surely doesn't have one of the top five or 10 arms. I would think in pro football. And if I, if he does, then maybe I'm wrong, but he finds ways to get the ball to who he needs to get the ball to. And, 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 and sometimes it, from the dink and dunk, to, but then again, you know, Michael Thomas streaking downfield 30, 40 yards down the field is perfect. Uh, Charlie Brewer, the, if, there's a, if there was initially an issue with him healthy, and he's been hit. I mean, again, he's played behind some, with all due respect to some of the guys I've covered who are really good dudes, good players, some that are going to get a chance in the NFL. He's played behind three offensive lines that have been at times very shaky. Um, I mean, they've had to mix and match and play players on, you know, from the defensive line or tight ends or God knows what. Uh, this should be, barring something that goes on with a player that has to miss time, his best offensive line he's played behind. Uh, I, I think Joe Wickline as the offensive line coach is great to get him involved. He knows the conference from Texas and Oklahoma State and elsewhere. Hell, he was at Baylor 
back a long time ago, right right after Larry Fedora was there, back when they had Chuck Reedy as a head coach in the uh, would have been the nineties. But uh, Charlie Brewer's arm strength, I do think. I don't think there's any question that he's taken a beating on his arm and shoulder as much as anyone wants to think he's taken some shots to the head. And I actually, I also think this. I think when Charlie was a freshman, and he was he won the job. Remember on that team that was just they just. God bless him, they couldn't win, except mm-hmm. Kansas. The, I think that the next year, I think Charlie took some shots in his arm even at the end of last year. And then during the off season, I'm not so sure that they didn't want to probably go in there and maybe clean some things up. Now, no one's told me that. That's just my gut feeling from doing my due diligence. And remember, they brought in this guy named Anu Solomon, who was the uh, – Oh, my God. No, not Otto Solomon. They brought in the quarterback from NC State. Solomon was there, the freshman. He was a return, uh, the, the transfer from Arizona. They brought in McLemore. That's right. McLemore, the kid from NC State, to compete for the starting job at quarterback. I mean, there was a reason he came to Baylor, even though I never thought Charlie would ever lose the job again. In fact, I, I'm surprised that he didn't play right off the top. I saw him as a high school kid three times in Lake Travis, but I, I understand the process of kind of gaining your stripes or whatever or notches in your belt. But when McLemore transferred from NC State, came on campus to compete with Charlie Brewer for the coach for that quarterback's job, I think that Charlie said, screw any kind of fixing me up. I really think the competitor in him said, no, you're not touching me. I got to go. I got to keep my job. Now, had it happened maybe this offseason, uh, you know, he might have even said, I'm not going to do it now either. It's my last year. I'm not going to mess my – but I do think that the transition from his freshman to sophomore year, McLemore coming in to compete against him as a sophomore, probably may have held him back from maybe getting some things cleaned up. Either it was that year or it was coming into last year. But I do think that his arm straight – I'm going to say this to you. I've shared this on my show about maybe a month ago. I bumped into him at a business in Waco. He had the biggest smile on his face. He told me, and again, I know you, you know, everyone's all, you know, you, you, I feel great. How do you feel? I feel great. You know that he had the biggest smile. It wasn't like this big beaming all American, uh, like, you know, guy that's on American Idol. But what it was, was it was this sneaky little smart ass type little grin. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like he feels good. And I also think he's very excited about just watching even through videos, highlights, or even Zoom meetings with coaches, Larry Fedora and company. He likes what he has, the chance to run this offense, the kind of offense that Baylor hopes to be able to run this year. So I know that I went through a lot. Has he taken some hits to the head? Yes. The the deal at Georgia in the Sugar Bowl, everyone wanted to think it was a concussion. That looked like one. It was a neck issue. Mm-hmm. And I promise you I've done my due diligence. I swear I have. But, yeah, I, I've had some writers. Usually they're always, like, from Austin or somewhere. And these are people I respect that were telling me that Charlie had six and eight concussions. I don't care what coach. This is no longer 1960, the 1960 when Roman Gabriel and Joe Kapp were playing quarterback and got probably knocked out every other play or Staubach how many times in the 70s. I don't know anybody that I have seen on the Baylor staff the last two or three years or A.D. McElroach or Kenny Boyd or anyone else that would not have pulled him 
if, in fact, there was a concern about his concussions. Now, he could take a hit immediately against Ole Miss. They're good. And, it, you know, who knows what it might do. But I think Charlie feels better, clear-minded, and maybe feels stronger than he's felt and maybe more even motivated now than he's been his first three years. I'm, 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 I hope he's healthy. And when he's healthy, he's really good. Uh, and I think Baylor will – this year – you know, I think he is going to be the difference for whether Baylor has a, a nice season, a, a really good season, or just a, a god-awful season is because of him coming back. And if he can be healthy, this is a, again, let's just operate under the mindset of we play enough games to have bowl games and whatever that means. But if he stays healthy the whole year, I think this is a team that is good enough, even with a new head coach, he can help lead this team to success. That What success means is different to everybody. To me, that's, I think I have them going either 7-5 and five or 8-4. and four. I think I have them going 7-5 and five this year. Um, part of that is with everything going on. But I just, like, that to me would be a good year with after everything they've dealt with, new coaching staff, the losses that they've had. I, I, I think he's going to be key to their success this season. He is the alpha dog. I'm telling you right now. And when you ask players about him, he's not one of those guys that, you know, stands up and says, look at me. He's not one of those guys that talks about himself very often. You have to read between the lines sometimes with him. And I've been able to do that over the four years or almost now four years that I've covered him. He commands the room. He is the dude. When you see guys who are put up on these watch lists, which, of course, there's a lot of names, and a lot of watch lists, a lot of awards and all that, which is great, it's some of the people that respond about him being nominated, just like they would with a running back or a wide receiver or whatever. But it's not just an offensive player that says something positive about Charlie Brewer. It might be a linebacker. It might be a corner. It might be a defensive tackle or, you know, uh, I don't know who it is, but it, it, they're defensive players that are also, that's my quarterback. You know, like Terry, Tony Romo and Terrell Owens during their little backs and forth. But there is a, a tremendous respect for him. Ellinger at Texas has the same kind of respect from his players. He's a little bit more outward. He's probably a little bit more promoted because UT, he's gotten, you know, you know he, he's, but Charlie Brewer, has played against Sam Ellinger one time straight up, won the game. They beat the hell out of Texas last year. Now, the first two years, uh, I think one year Ellinger couldn't start, so Bouchelle did or got knocked out early, and Bouchelle really was the one that won the game. And, hey, I'm a, a fan of Sam Ellinger. I had a chance to interview him last year at Big 12 Media Days in Arlington. I was a fan. I, I'm, he's a good kid. He's a great leader, tremendous mm-hmm. player. I think they almost asked him to do too much. Charlie is in the same mold as him, different, not as physical. But, I mean, I'm telling you right now that, you know, he beat Ellinger straight up the one time they played. And he almost beat, my God, two years ago in Austin. They're throwing the ball in the end zone to Jalen Hurd to try to win the game against a team that is top ten with that team that barely made it to a bowl game. And that's that's Charlie Brewer, man. And and I I I hope he can stay healthy. I hope he is, 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 is that smirk that he gave to me kind of suggested with what he kind of said to me off to the side. I think he feels really, really good. And I hope they can keep him protected because it might be, as I said, the first time he's had an offensive line with a lot of snaps, but a lot of also uh, skins on the wall because some of these guys are now grown men who were just baby faced freshmen. Some of them playing early on that are now just grown men, 20, 30, 40 pounds, muscle, whatever, 
uh, on, on, packed on their body that, that, that were just absolutely fuzzy cheek freshmen when they came out of high school. So I, I want to ask you about the defense here real quick. Obviously, the Baylor defense lost a lot from last year. A lot of contributors, not just contributors, big, big names. James Lynch, Bravian Roy, Grayland Arnold is the biggest ones you, well, I, can, I can think of off the top of my head. I mean, you, you do have a guy as a new head coach in Aranda who's a defensive guy. Um, they bring back a lot of guys who, who saw some playing time but weren't necessarily big contributors. But to me, the big thing for Baylor was that last year, Baylor's success was Charlie Brewer, yes, but that defense. That Baylor defense is, is to me, the reason that Baylor had the success that they had last season and in many cases was able to to, to win those close games. So I'm curious from you, what are what are fair or realistic expectations of, of the Baylor defense this year? I think there's no question. You don't lose that dude in the middle. Everyone talks about James Lynch who put the pressure. He's the one that created the pressure, the disruption, as far as, you know, like strip sacks and, you know, forcing a quarterback to get out of it early, whatever. Uh, and he was just a motor that never stopped. But let me tell you something. The guy that they're going to miss a lot is Bravion Roy. He is a – like he's a dump truck in the middle of that three, three-man three line, and they're going to miss him. But there's a – when I talk to some of the defensive coaches, not so much Aranda individually about players. He talks about guys who have led during this time through meetings or whatever else or workouts, whatever the players could work out themselves. Um. Man, Bravion Roy was a dude. He was an absolute – you talk about disruptive. And, yes, they lose Clay Johnson. How about this? You lose Clay Johnson. He picks off a pass against whoever it was. It gets tears an ACL. And the next week, Terrell Bedard, who's getting a lot of decoration early on before the season starts, he steps in the first game in Stillwater and has a phenomenal game, returns a, a fumble for a touchdown. He never stops. I, I hate this. Clay Johnson is a guy you want in your lineup. You want him on your team. He's a, he's going to be with the Chargers, and I mean, God bless him. He overcomes the knee injury, but my goodness, Terrell Bernard is a he's tremendous. I, he is a big boy linebacker, and I think that I mean I think he's the kind of guy that, that you you know the, the guy to his left and right who whoever it might be, uh, you know, and, and I know that for the most part they kind of know that. One of the things that uh, that that Phil Snow did. Phil Bennett could never quite do this because they were always on, even though they'd score a bunch of points, he always wanted to play the younger guys more. But it was hard because, you know, they were still always in these street fights. And so was, so was the team the last couple of years. But Phil Snow, they rotated enormous amounts. Like Gabe Hall and Obadiah, these guys that are going to be on the defensive line that are raw but really, really talented. Some of the linebackers are going to get to play this year. They got the kid, the king. Uh, from Arkansas State that's a very, very high-level Division One-type talent that moves to Baylor. Uh, they lose a ton in the secondary. I, I think what it's going to be, they're not going to have, like, they're, they're going to lose some um, some guys that went through the war, the, the, who went through the trench wars over and over again. But there are some dudes. There's some speed, like I'm talking about, maybe even this year could be faster than they were last year. And that's with Graylin Arnold or Clay Johnson's instincts and going sideline to sideline or Jamison Houston, among some others. They got Tejada, who's an underrated corner. 
he really kind of grew up two years ago when he picked off a pass. I think it was against Texas Tech. You could see his, his confidence grow. Uh, now, can the defensive line hold up? That's a great – I don't know. I, I, I think they got some people there, but you don't lose Bravey on Roy – and you don't lose Lockhart, and you don't lose Lynch without dropping off a little bit. So let's say they do there. But the linebacker play, they lose Blake Lynch as well, who's a great athlete. But I think the linebacker play could get better. I, I really do. I, I think it could get better. And when I asked Dave Miranda, and I might have asked Dave Roberts this as well, and I know I asked Gary Anderson this at Utah State that, that, that where Aranda has coached under him. In a Dave Aranda defense, what is the most important position group? Is it the secondary, linebackers, and defensive line? Because I thought the defensive line was the key for Matt Rowe and Phil Snow. I think it's the linebacker group, but I think they got a bunch of them. I mean, along with this Bradley King who they got from Arkansas State, who's, who's tremendous. So, yeah, there will be a drop-off just because you can't lose 250-plus starts and not be a drop-off. But there have been these younger players who've gotten just enough, just a little bit of that touch and feel of playing the game, and – also, they've been able to simmer. You know, they've been able to kind of marinate, as I say, on the roster without having to be dependent on too much. I, 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 they've got a couple of safeties, I think, that are going to be tremendous players. They're going to lose Arnold and, and, and Chris Miller. There's no question about that. Those two guys, those guys, you know, Miller would kill you. I mean, absolutely a car wreck wherever he ended up or a penalty flag along with it. But I think some of these guys like J.T. Woods and Christian Morgan, and a few others are going to be something that we look back up and go, golly, they're pretty good. Uh, I, I, you know, the kicking game, a lot of those, I mean, this, and, and, and I, when you, I've always thought, and I hope I'm not dragging on too long here, but, you know, if you're just good enough to win five games but you want to become a bowl team, special teams can win you a couple of games. Mm-hmm. If you're good mm-hmm. enough to win eight or nine games and you get to 11, special teams can make you a, like a, a, a New Year's Day bowl. They've got, you know, they lost the long snapper. They got the punters back, the kickers back, the long kickers back, the kickoff kickers back. They got them back. And these guys started making some kicks at the end of the year. So I think that's something not to overlook as well is how good they'll also be able to be in their special teams. David, you have been fantastic. Um, This was an absolute joy, I feel. I've I've been been reading my stuff, been reading my Athlon season preview. Um, I've gotten so much from you today. I feel like I know Baylor so much better. This is this has been an absolute treat for me, and I think for everybody who's going to be listening to this pod. Um, do me a favor for everybody who wants to check out the work that you do covering the Baylor Bears. Where all can they check that out? Well, we're we're online at Sikkim365.com. That's S-I-C-E-M-365.com. We're on the app under 365, uh, under Sikkim365. That's Sikkim365 Radio. Uh, we're in the App Store. We're on YouTube. We're on Facebook. We're on Periscope. And we're about to be probably, we hope, within the next 30 to 40, maybe the next month, we're hoping to have a live stream that's video-related uh, as well. On Twitter, I'm at David Smoke, D-A-V-I-D-S-M-O-A-K. It's spelled funny, but it's just, it is Smoke. And then, uh, and I, I get, you know, I'm, I'm not a Facebook guy. I've got a page, but I, I, don't, I don't do that. Um, but that's it. I mean, there we are. And, and so I do a lot of responses on Twitter, a lot of take questions and get in arguments with the best of them. But uh, those, <laughs> those are across the board. Those are the kind of things we're doing. That's where we can be found. But it's Sikkim 365 Radio, and it all comes up to the umbrella of Sikkim365.com. 
David, again, this has been an, an absolute pleasure. I can't wait to have you back on the show and, and talk some more about Baylor, man. Thank you. Thank you very much. And uh, I look forward to doing it. Hey, anytime. Hey, uh, whenever you can do it again. And good luck with this. I think I love the name of the podcast. Appreciate the question. Stay tuned and, and stay focused and enjoy the ride. Podcast Network.